In July of 2021, I was in Ghana for my grandfather's funeral. You see pictures of us together uh, at my wedding, which was a few years before. Uh, Papi, as we called him, was truly the man. His family nickname was the Oracle, but he insisted that we call him the head of the dragon instead. It is rare that the nickname someone invents for themselves is better than the one others invent for them. But like I said, Papi was the man. And with funerals comes storytelling. Everyone wanted to tell their Papi stories. And I heard so many of my family's stories for the first time. When you grow up like I did, an immigrant kid, far away from your family and your land and your language, you miss a lot of stories. And to be honest, for much of my life, I didn't want to hear them. I think some part of me knew that if I allowed these stories to become part of me, then I would be different, because stories shape who we are. And I was a Ghanaian kid living in southwest Missouri. I did not want to be any more different than I already was. So I didn't ask questions. I didn't dig deeper. And I grew up knowing that there was so much more for me to learn about myself and my family and my culture, but not doing anything about it. But on this trip in July, I decided I wanted to learn the stories. And that decision is probably one of the most important decisions I have ever made. So one day, my brother and I asked our parents to drive us around the University of Ghana Legon campus. That's where Papi worked after graduating from high school and where he would eventually earn his law degree. I saw the house my dad grew up in, and I heard story after story about my grandparents welcoming people into their home as surrogate family members. In fact, to this day, when I meet an uncle or a cousin, I really never know if I am actually related to them. I saw the place where my parents got married, and I learned that several thousand, yes, thousand people attended their wedding. And as we drove, my parents stopped over and over again, pointing out the window and telling us our family's stories. As I heard these stories, so many things began to click into place. For example, my parents both worked for a university in our hometown. And when I was younger, we used to host international students for holiday meals. And not like one or two, I mean like all of them at the school. So the house would be just full of like 100 people. They mellowed out since I was a kid, but they are still extending the invitation. Uh, ben, if you want to put some photos up. These are from 2016 and 2017. Uh, I cannot tell you who really any of these people are. They are just people who my parents said are coming to dinner, and I needed to set an extra table. Uh, and I couldn't tell you who they are now. To this day, I can count the number of Thanksgiving meals where I knew everyone at the table on one hand. But now, I know my family's stories. And so filling our basement with hundreds of college students makes sense. That's what Papi would have done. 
And you can draw a line from Poppy's house in Legon to my parents' basement in Joplin, Missouri. And once all of the boxes are out of my basement, I will invite you all over, and the line will reach my house, too. When Haley and I got married, my parents kept insisting that we invite all these random people. So we sent them a guest list of 200 people, and they responded with a guest list of 300 people. And this happened four times. It was infuriating. But now, it makes sense. Because in my family, weddings are not about you. They are about the entire community that you belong to. And if that means some randos are going to show up to your wedding, then guess what? You're going to have some randos at your wedding. Knowing the stories makes a difference. The author of Hebrews was writing to a community of people experiencing persecution and hardship. Some people were deciding that this Jesus thing wasn't worth it, and they were abandoning the community. Many others were on the brink of giving up. And so the author writes a letter encouraging them to endure in the faith. And this thing is dense. Like some of the most complex theological reasoning in the entire Bible can be found in the letter to the Hebrews. But at the crux of the argument, when they want to make their final and strongest appeal, the author abandons all the fancy language and theology and techniques and simply tells stories. Forty verses worth. If you want to see all of them, you can look in your Bibles. It's on page 977 and 978. Kelvin read just a snippet of the very end. So the author says, hey, do you remember Abraham? He had to leave his home country for a foreign land. Do you remember Moses? He had to choose between being an Egyptian and a Hebrew, and when he chose to be a Hebrew, he and his entire nation had to flee from a homicidal emperor. Remember Rahab and David and the prophets? Do you remember everything that they went through? You are part of this family. These are your stories. For the original audience of Hebrews, these stories were a reminder that even the most faithful people go through seasons of wandering, questioning, and suffering. And that in the midst of those seasons, God's faithfulness never wavers. By claiming these stories as their own, they could learn to recognize God's presence in the midst of their own seasons of wandering, questioning, and suffering. The author understood what stories do for us. When we claim a story, it shapes who we are. It offers us a way to understand who we are because it tells us where we come from and the communities that we belong to. And the series that we've been in for the past month has been all about engaging with spiritual disciplines. And in the time I've spent here at Press House, my sense is that of all the spiritual disciplines, reading scripture is probably the one students are least interested in. Maybe it's because you're a student and you already have enough to read, which is fair. You do already have enough to read. 
And maybe it's because the Bible is big and messy and complicated and you don't know where to start. There are a lot of good reasons why people don't pick up this book. And many of them are good reasons. I also suspect that one of the most significant reasons goes unstated. Many of us don't want to read the Bible because we are worried what will happen if we become Bible people. Bible people have a reputation, one that many of us would like to avoid. And we're already verging into that territory simply by being part of a church. And so it's simply easier to not learn the stories. Because learning the stories means grappling with the stories. It means doing the hard work of understanding how we are implicated in them and deciding how we want them to continue shaping our lives. And it might even mean becoming a Bible person. I want you to know that I get it. I understand why that's a lot to take on. And your sense of what will happen is right. Claiming these stories will change you. In fact, I don't think it's possible to claim them and not become a Bible person. The Catholic theologian Richard Rohr puts it this way. The gospel is so radical that if we truly believe this message, it would call into question all the assumptions we currently hold about the way we live, how we use our time, whom we relate to, how we marry, and how much money we have. Everything we think and do would be called into question and viewed in a new way. My partner and I just bought a house. Some of you know this already. When you buy a house, you often have to buy more things to go in the house. They don't tell you that when you're buying the house. It's like a secret that you learn when you get your house and you realize it's empty and you've got to put things in there. So you've got to buy new furniture, new appliances. This is a lot of stuff you've got to buy to fill the house. And this is a very normal adult process. If you know someone who has a house, if you lived in a house, you know someone who has experienced this process. But it is really hard to do these things. When you have a voice in the back of your head reminding you of the time Jesus told the rich young ruler that his possessions were preventing him from following Jesus and that he needed to sell everything he owned before he could follow him. It is hard to justify buying another mattress when Erica preaches a sermon about the foolishness of a rich farmer who builds bigger and bigger barns to hold all of his stuff. Now, I would, seriously, I would much prefer to just buy what I want. That is what I want to do. But knowing these stories forces me, truly forces me, to ask whether I am actually using my money the way Jesus wants me to. And to be honest, most of the time, it forces me to admit that I am not. That I am not the person I think I am or that I want to be. And none of that is fun. It doesn't make for good conversation when someone asks me, hey, how's the new house? But it is drawing me closer to the kind of life 
that God wants for me. And I believe it is possible to become a Bible person in a way that deepens your empathy and increases your capacity for wonder and makes you a more effective force for justice. And in a world where Bible people are wreaking a lot of havoc, Perhaps we need some more people who can embody a different way of living out these stories in the world. And so, my friends, I invite you to learn our family stories. And as I close, I want to suggest two specific ways you can start doing that right away. So number one, Lent starts this Wednesday, as Erica mentioned. And during Lent, we'll be using a set of devotionals from A Sanctified Art. You saw their logo on the screen when Erica was talking about Ash Wednesday. We also use some of their stuff during Advent. But we'll be using their devotionals to guide our conversations during Tuesdays with NNE. These are the lunches that we have on Tuesday afternoons. And this is a great way to learn our family stories in conversation with others. So that's number one. Number two, on the screen is a list of three books. If you want to pause and take a picture, I would recommend doing so. These are my go-to recommendations for folks who want to learn more about the Bible. And I love these books in particular because they directly address the concerns many of us have about being a Bible person. And so if you can't join us on Tuesdays, Reading one of these along with the passages of Scripture that they talk about is another great place to start. Friends, let's learn and claim our families' stories together. Amen.